With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Craven Cottage, make some noise for the team of the Fulhamish Podcast! It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Yes, I'm back to host my own podcast. Welcome to the show. It is the Thursday Club. Thank you very much for listening. And in today's episode, it's a big preview of Saturday's SW6 Derby. And have we ever gone into a match against the Blues with the form like this? I am very, very nervous ahead of what promises to be a massive game, a huge opportunity. Can Fulham keep the form book going and get a famous, rare victory against our charming neighbours from up the road, who, lest they forget, wouldn't exist without us, would they? We'll also have the final word on Spurs from Saturday, and we'll get Peter's reaction to transfer deadline day. I hope he's had some sleep since then. Plus, a couple of bits and bobs, things like Marlon Fossey leaving for Standard Liège, and at the end of the podcast... It is a triumphant return for This'll Catch On. We've given it a rest for a few weeks. During the transfer season, there wasn't really enough time, but the transfers are gone now, so it is time for your silly songs. And I'm joined by the regular Thursday club of Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. How are we doing? Good, thank you. Lovely to be back with you both after a couple of weeks off. It's been nice. To, it's nice to actually switch seats again. Um, I, I, I feel like I've done a fair stint in your seat recently, Sammy, and it's been nice to. Um, it's nice to be back on this side of the microphone, shall we say? Oh, well, thank you for filling in and do even doing the bonus pod after deadline day. I was away and saw that one come through. I was like, wow, Jack's been hard at work doing an extra bonus pod. So yeah, cheers, man. No, it was a, it was a real pleasure. I had a great time. I've very much enjoyed myself. So thank you for having me. I enjoyed all the podcasts from the Sound Lounger and Pisa Rutzler. Hello. Hello, how are we doing? Good to see you, Sammy. Good to see you, Jack. Are we well? Are we happy? All well, all happy. Happy birthday for last Friday. Yeah, thanks to everyone who sent me loads of messages. It was quite funny. Um, just going on Twitter and then I'm just trying to check things and it just it says happy birthday. It's really, really quite nice. It's quite a nice, nice gear change to Twitter for me anyway for the day. So thank you, everyone. The Fulham fan base have taken you into their hearts. They want to wish you all the happy returns that you deserve, Peter, especially <laughs> as it fell on tra- like on transfer deadline day as well. Um, we'll come on to how you found the day, birthday aside, um, in a moment. Um, let's do, though, some final word from Spurs on Saturday. Um, Peter, um, I had to do a, I do a blog at the moment for the BBC Sport website, and they said, like, can you sum up kind of Fulham's season in a word. And I use the word solid that we've said on the podcast, but it was only really when I like properly looked at the table that I realized the stats that, that Fulham have two wins, two draws, two losses, zero goal difference. All the games that we've either won or lost have been decided by a single goal. And and that theme continued on Saturday, obviously a, a kind of valiant, but deserved defeat at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but just one of those results where, okay, we lost, not ideal, but we're building it into our margins almost, these kind of defeats, because we're playing so well in the other matches and still not disgracing ourselves. So you never take a defeat, but in the bigger picture, it's all just kind of fine for now. And and we'd have bitten your arm off for, for a start like this. So yeah, just um, interested to hear your kind of um, analysis on, uh, on Saturday's game. Yeah, it was... Um... As you say, it's been a steady start, hasn't it? It's it's been good. It's really hard to assess exactly how good it is because the league is completely jumbled up. And I think my reference points, as I was saying before the pod starts, are, are Bournemouth and Forest. Four points ahead of Forest, which is good, and then a point ahead of Bournemouth, who've had a pretty good start considering everything. So, yeah, steady, good. Um, I think Jack, you said it on the pod at the start of the week that. Um, 
the game from last week you wanted to win was Brighton. So to come out of that week with three points is, is good. It's steady. It's not spectacular, but it's good. Um, and I think the performances in all three, including Spurs, offer Barrow's encouragement there for different reasons. I think Spurs is probably the worst of the lot, mainly because Fulham didn't do what they wanted to do on the day, which was to play more. They had more space to play more. Spurs don't press like other sides do. Um, and we know that Fulham can do well on the ball and can do better on the ball. And I think that's where Marco Silva's frustration came from. Um, and, and Tom Kearney, who, who went into the mix zone afterwards as well, uh, which, which sort of took me a bit by surprise because, as you say, it was a small margin victory, 2-1. Sure, Spurs had lots of chances, could have been a lot more. Um, but, you know, Fulham still could have taken a point from it. Um, so I was surprised that they felt like that. But I guess that's the positive of that, of that perspective is high standards, which is great um, to go to a team that were, who are unbeaten in the Premier League under a manager looking to take them that to that next level to really compete at the very top of the, of the league. Uh, and to still play the way they did, which wasn't great for various reasons from Robinson's injury, which completely unbalanced the team uh, when, when Kevin Babu came on to just not being at it, to still play well enough, to still have the players that can pull you back into the game. I'm talking Alexander Mitrovic and, and Bernd Leno as well. Um, is really quite good. Um, so yeah, things are things are steady. Things are good. Um, I think they'll will want to put Spurs behind them. But even even then, for me, there were there were encouragements to take, and and that comes from the fact they scored a goal out of nothing. Still could have taken a point, um, despite not being at the best. And Spurs looking good. You know, I think that was one of their best performances of the season. The way their their front players played, Richarlison in particular. Um, he looks like a great addition for them to complement their already strong front line, um, as well as Harry Kane, who is a phenomenal player. When you watch him in in the flesh and you see the spaces he drifts into, his touches, yeah, he's uh, he he brings it all together for them. So, um, different day, probably a different story in terms of scoreline, but you know, Fulham was still there and thereabouts, and if they can be there and thereabouts in every game this season, that's that's what you want. Um. I enjoyed in Sunday's podcast, Jack, how Farrell referred to Alexander Mitrovic's goal as if it was on a thread because it was exactly my thought as well. It's one of those where if you're playing football, your thought is like, that's exactly where I want the ball to go and seldom does it go there. It was such a, a good strike um, from, from Alexander. Um, just looking at the table and... I don't believe you discussed this too much on Sunday's podcast. It's so jumbled up. I can't make any sense of it. I know we're six games in and you're not supposed to make sense of a table until probably bordering on November, December, but it's so open. It's so competitive. Teams like Bournemouth getting two wins, an impressive win at Forest has just made the whole thing a can of worms. I can't make sense of it. You look at a side like Leicester at the bottom of the league and okay, Leicester are in all sorts of problems, but a team that has Tielemans, Vardy, Harvey Barnes, James Madison in their side, I can't believe is going to stay there for long. And you could say that of kind of all the teams at the bottom, West Ham, Villa, Everton, Palace, Wolves, all got great players in their side. And those ones that maybe we thought might struggle, Leeds, Southampton are, are in the same kind of neck of the woods of the table as us. So... There's there's no making sense of it at the moment, and trying to pick a bookie's favourite of three to go down is is incredibly difficult. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I mean, look, yeah, the the truth is that everyone in the Premier League has good players, right? Like, it's easy to be like, oh, Leicester are you know too good to go down with that with those players, but you could you could make a case like that for almost every team, right? Bournemouth maybe aside. That every, almost every other team, you yeah. could make a case for being like, no, nah, they've got too many good players for to, to go down. If you'd watch this start of the season as a complete neutral who'd never watched football before, you'd be like, oh, the Fulham have Leno, Polina, Mitrovic. They're way too good to be relegated. And 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 so it's one of those. The problem with Leicester is that they're, 
you know, their, their good players are all in one part of the the pitch and they have literally no defenders. And every single, you know, thing that was brilliant about Leicester for years, including their kind of flying fullbacks, etc., just isn't up to scratch of what it was before. And unless Valt Faze comes in and, you know, is, is, is an unbelievable defender, they're in real trouble because they don't know how to defend. Um, and, and ultimately, that's what we're seeing time and time again uh, across the course of this season. Um, but yeah, look, you're right. The, the, it's, it's a bit confusing down there. I don't think West Ham will be down there. I think if Villa remain down there for too long, then then there's going to be questions asked over Steven Gerrard. There already are questions being asked over Steven Gerrard and his ability to you know to, to kind of work with this team. And and if if Brendan stays at the bottom of the league, I can imagine him walking away from Leicester City and walking into the Aston Villa job. So um, there is there, there there are plenty of question marks over some of these sides. Um, but equally, I do think that they are sides of problems. I think Leicester have, have, have problems. I think Forest have problems. I think Everton have problems. I think Bournemouth have problems. You know, as much as Bournemouth have been very very impressive and and credit to them because if you'd said for their you know of their first six games um they, they'd get two wins and a draw from you know three of the games that you're looking at and going okay what are the what are the reasonable games in this pack and you go okay forest wolves uh, and aston villa and you go okay two wins and a draw and you lose to the sides who you think are gonna you know come top at the end of the day you go mm, yeah probably take that wouldn't you yeah. probably take that um so yeah fair play to them um but also yeah i think it's a funny old league but it's going to take a little bit longer than usual to sort out and the fact that there's a massive gap after 16 games while we go to a world cup i think is very confusing it's going to be very difficult and we're going to have a look mm-hmm. at it and see what, what kind of comes across next but yeah it's it's one of those i think we, we could probably just sort of try and look at our own games stick on trying to average a point a game uh, and we'll look after ourselves and be okay. Um, Peter, uh, you wrote uh, in The Athletic uh, about um, Bert Leno, and uh, you can read The Athletic if you uh, subscribe. And um, I'm sure, Peter, uh, if you go to his Twitter profile, you'll find links to be able to subscribe to The Athletic if you wish. Um, it was kind of the first time I felt like we really saw the value that Bert Leno can bring to this side. The games up until then, I felt like he hadn't been properly properly challenged i know that arsenal put him under a bit of pressure but it wasn't quite the same as he he faced at spurs on on saturday it was a commanding performance that i think maybe merited him his place in the side it was it was controversial the way he came in for mario rode mario rode hadn't done an awful lot wrong and leno came in and took his place and i think we saw on saturday the value of of leno as as harsh as that process was on marek yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think it, it is a harsh process on 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 Marek, and we've discussed that. But we also acknowledged that at some point the change was going to happen. I mean, that's why Leno was signed. Um, that change was made before Brentford, and yeah, and I think in that game didn't have very much to do in, compared to Arsenal and, and the Spurs games. Um, but I, I think I'd say in both we've seen the value of having an excellent shot stopper. We saw what. Alphonse Ariola brought two years ago and I think trying to replicate that is is essential for a team near the bottom who's going to be very very busy this season and Spurs was the game for me where it stood out the more the most because that game could have run away from Fulham very very quickly um, and he made a series of very good stops you know there's one low to his right from Harry Kane in the first half where he sort of turns Tim Ream very quickly um, and then there were two one from Ryan Sessegnon where you can't really see it because of Kenny Tetter, but still gets his hand to tip it around the post. And another one off Son Hung Min where I think it's deflected off Tosin, so he has to change his direction a little bit. Um, but that's that's what he's good at. That's what he's in the team for. Um, and it just meant that, you know, maybe Fulham could get the ball to Mitrovic. Maybe he might score. Maybe Fulham will get back in the game and maybe they'll take a point. And, you know, four of those five things nearly happened. Um, what happened, sorry. And... and just didn't quite get one of those dipping, deflected efforts to drop in as well uh, with Hugo Lloris doing quite well for, for Spurs. So, um, you know, we, we, we're aware, of, everyone's aware of his quality. Um, I think it's encouraging that the Fulham have him on the books, that they were able to get him for the price they did. Um, and that three million up front and the, the contingent clauses, which could take it to eight, but they're pretty favourable. Um, it's, yeah, in these games, where he could be important, where you're getting the points you're not expecting or could help you get those points. Um, and that was, that was a value for me. And, um, you know, we, we, we said it at the time when he signed that it's not like he's just become a bad goalkeeper because he wasn't playing at Arsenal. 
Arsenal wanted to change things up last season. And I think, you know, I think part of it, I was thinking back to the Arsenal game and the goal that, that Fulham conceded, and it was very controversial. You know, you've got, there's potentially a foul on Leno there. There's potentially a handball there as well. Um, maybe Leno could do better from that. And maybe that's what Arsenal wanted to change. But to be honest, that's that's certainly clutching at straws a little bit. Um, but from what we've seen, he's been very good. Sounds like he's been a very good addition to the squad in general as a professional and a person to have around around the group. So uh, all of those considered, it, it, he's he has the makings of a very top signing for Fulham and will be absolutely vital if Fulham are to stay up. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's great to see him. Uh, it's just a shame that actually his his two best performances, as you mentioned, Arsenal and Spurs, haven't yielded points yet. But I'm sure that Bert Leno will save us points uh, later on in the season. Uh, Jack, a bit of news that's broken in the past couple of days. More transfer news. Uh, I thought it was over, but of course, um, the international window uh, is still open uh, in a few countries. And one of those is Belgium. Uh, Marlon Fossi set to join, has joined uh, Belgian side Standard Liège. Um I think this is one of those where I'm disappointed. I really thought that Marlon Fossey was one of those that could break through for Fulham and be our next Cess, Fabio, Harvey Elliott, all of those. It seems like, though, in the last year, it just felt like it was getting more and more unlikely. So look, Fulham have got a bit of money for a, for a talented player. I really, really wish him well. Shame that it's not going to be in the white of Fulham, but he is a talent and and maybe Belgium might be the right place for him to to start flourishing. Yeah, I mean, he's 23 now. You know, we, we've, we've been having this conversation about Marlon Fossey since basically this podcast began. Um, and yeah. I, I think that's that's ultimately the truth of it. Is It's not necessarily that he's not a good player or that he's not he's not seriously talented because he is. Um, but we've been having the conversation, is this Marlon Fossey's time since... Yeah, when, when did we when did we begin? Twenty sixteen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure um, he was one of the first kind of youth players that we kind of talked about, or maybe in the future, Marlon Fossey. He's great. yeah, exactly. And and it just hasn't happened for him for various reasons. He's had some really really horrible injury setbacks. He you know he's had some some moves that didn't quite work out for him. He's had moves that have worked out for him, and he hasn't kind of kicked on into the side. Um, and and look, that might just be managers. And also, you know, as we talk about so often, currently Fulham isn't that fertile a breeding ground for young talents to find pathways into this team so yeah I, I think that it's one of those that it's, it's a shame um, and I really hope he goes there and, and stays injury free more than anything else um, is able to is able to kind of fulfill that potential and and it looks like a, you know a wonderful club it's a wonderful club with a lot of history and he's going to he's going to have a nice time in Belgium I'd imagine so good luck to him it's uh, one of those uh, it's obviously sad to see a young talent leave the club or someone who, who we kind of considered someone who might break through. Um, but it hasn't happened for him. And, and now it's up to him to kind of go kick on and try and make the rest of this, his career a, a success. And I think he has all the tools to do so. Well, and also with 2026, the World Cup in the US uh, around the corner, that's got to be such a big aim for Marlon now. He'd be 27 um, when, that, when that World Cup rolls around. So I guess that will be at the back of his mind and he's not going to make Qatar. I don't think, I don't know the USMNT as well as you do, Jack, but I don't think he's going to be making Qatar. No, no, but 2026 is a realistic aim, I guess, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, he'll have to to do some jumping up the pecking order if he, if he wants to, you know, kind of usurp Sergio Dest, even someone like Reggie Cannon, who was linked to Fulham obviously last year, um, who who are both playing, you know, relatively high level, Sergio Dest in very high level and Reggie Cannon relatively high level um, European football. So yeah, uh, he's got some work to do, but there's no reason that he can't kick on from here and, and it's a good place to start. Peter, uh, let's react from your perspective to deadline day. Obviously, we've covered it pretty extensively um, on the podcast that that Jack did on Friday. But four incomings, uh, a few outgoings as well. Um, It was a busy one. We expected it to be busy. How was it all from your perspective? How was it from uh, Rutzler HQ? Yeah, it was was busy. Um, I think it went, I think pretty well for Fulham. I think they got what they wanted to on the day. They they recruit we were talking about attacking reinforcements, they brought those in. I think the one position maybe they would have liked to have brought someone in may have been mid centre midfield. But I suppose, you know, they looked at Husamawa, for example, but I guess if you couldn't get him in, then the question is you don't want to bring in just someone for the sake of bringing them in. Um but the rest of the options I think were good. I think Carlos Vinicius was the one that sort of emerged overnight uh, the day before in Portugal. 
sort of a little out of the blue, I suppose. And I think he's he is a good option, really. I think I think we're actually seeing the value of Rodrigo Muniz going out on loan to Borough. Um, and I was thinking about this in the days afterwards. You know, could could did they need to bring in Vinicius? You know, obviously on a permanent deal as well. Um, but you actually look at Rodrigo Muniz's sort of development trajectory. He hasn't really played very much at all. Full stop. You know, even for Flamengo, he was you know second or third in the, in the pecking order. I mean. Slightly younger, different clubs he was, he was but uh, behind Gabigol and, and, and uh, Jao Pedro, I think, um, yeah. if I remember rightly. So last year, Fulham didn't really play. So actually him having minutes was was pretty vital. Um, and I think he's going to do very well. That looks like the Borough fans are already taken to him. So um, Vinicius looks a really good option in that sense. Um, add something a little different to to Mitrovic. Not completely different. I think their profiles are relatively similar. It means he can stick to the way Fulham wants to play. But I think in general, um, he should offer something different. He should adapt quite quickly to, with that strong Portuguese contingent. We knew about William. That took a couple of weeks, I think. I was, I suppose the, the one that sort of got away was Justin Cliver and how that sort of unfolded and, and, and fell away. And we, and we discussed that last week, didn't we? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's, that will be a disappointment for how, how that sort of ended. Um, but, you know, Dan James is a great option. Um, and the reason I think he's a great option is because Fulham were looking for someone with pace. Um, I think that's the one thing they didn't don't really have, you know, out and out pace that can stretch defence um, in a way that Jan, Dan James can. So it just gives them some more variation. And I think that's that's really important. And yeah, uh, obviously it ended late. I think you did worry for Dan James once the, the clock was dragging and you were just saying, oh, the, the message you get out is uh, we're just waiting. And it's like, oh, no, that's not going to happen again to him. Of course, for those who don't know, he when he joined, well, he didn't join Leeds, did he? He nearly joined Leeds yeah. from, from Swansea, was standing around waiting with his, with his shirt. Took his, his pictures, pictures in the kit, yeah. Pictures, had a everything. squad number. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think some, like, you know, he was, it was pretty advanced. You know, he'd been at Mottsburg Park for most of the day. and um. The idea of that happening again um, was pretty mortifying for everyone. So, um, yeah, all all good. I think Silver said in his press conference the next day that for him it was a pretty quiet day. You know, I think he knew sort of what Fulham were doing by lunchtime. I don't think it was as quiet for those behind the scenes trying to uh, get the deals done, making sure everything was signed and sealed and, and over the line. Um, but yeah, all done. The pun, the pun team were working hard as well. Uh, always, always, you know, it's um, it's a tough task. That so they, the Kazar, the Kazawa, the Kazawa one was poor. Yeah, what was what was Kazawa <laughs> again? I remember. Feel the power with P A A W A. Yeah. Uh, but the one that got me was when it was obviously they did Danger Man for uh, <laughs> for Dan <laughs> James, but then the way they did it with the black and the red, it did just look like Dan German and Jack quick as a flash with the first comment. He's not German, he's Welsh, which yeah. Jack, I don't like to give you credit, but that was that was a. Good he's one. not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, I, I got I got a lot of love on Twitter for that, so I was quite pleased with myself. That was very very good. Um, I mean, the puns have almost become this kind of like almost a bit like the clappers in a way. Like I don't approve, but I do quite. I would miss it now if they were gone. Um, but yeah, the amount of time they must spend having to come up with those on a whiteboard. I'd love to know the process. If someone fills us in how that happens, um, then I would um, love to know. Um, Peter, the one that kind of was banded around on deadline day, but I'd be interested to know from your perspective, how serious you thought it was in hindsight, were these bids for Ben Brereton Diaz, um, reports, suggested that Fulham made two, but they were maybe quite desiry. Or do we think that it was just paper talk, people adding two and two, Fulham needed a winger, Baron Barrett and Diaz is available. He was kind of linked with everyone and anyone um, over this transfer window. And unless I'm mistaken, he didn't get moved, did he? He's, he's no. still at Blackburn. He's still yeah. at Blackburn. No, I, I do. It was my colleague David Ornstein was reporting these, um, these bids and they were certainly, Fulham wanted to sign him. Leeds also wanted to sign him once they realised they needed to, get Dan James out. Um, and then Everton went in for him as well. And Everton as well. Um, Blackburn's asking price was far too high. Um, I think that was the, the long and the short of it. Um, I think they wanted between 15 to 20, which is sort of the numbers being manned around. I think it may have been higher than that, um, which for a player in the final year of his contract is, is never going to be met. Um, and I think for them, realistically, it may be the last time they could get 
such fees. And um, I think for me anyway, Barrett and Diaz would have been a great signing. Um, yeah. Ticked a couple of boxes, uh, winger and striker can play both positions. Um, goal scorer, still young. Face, uh, international. Of Pep, face of Pepsi in Chile. Yeah, exactly. You know, commercial potential. Um, would have guaranteed one shirt sale from a Mr. Ben Jarman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just, it was, that was, that was it. I mean, once, once, it, once you realise that they're not going to move and you have your valuation, then you move on. That's just, that's how it goes. So, uh, I wouldn't say, to, like, it's the same, maybe you could say with Clive, but maybe next year or with, you know, with Brereton Diaz, depending on how things go in January or, um, next summer um one to, to sort of keep an eye on to see see where he goes next but um yeah there was definitely 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 wanted him the venkies have history for this for setting a price for a player and and and, and kind of standing by it whether it's the right thing to do or not um and and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing this is not necessarily a criticism it's just they've that's decided that they've decided that's going to be their model and it worked for them with someone like phil jones obviously they held out for so much money from united for phil jones and they got it um but in this regard, considering he can now sign pre-contracts in January with European clubs, I feel like they're going to lose out on a fee, which is probably a bit silly in, in some ways. But look, they get him for six months. They get him yeah, for these Maybe that'll be valuable games. to them in their, yeah. Yeah, their, in their promotion hunt, you know, having him around for that length of time. That's, that's sort of the balance you have when, when you're a club in the Championship. Adam Armstrong's another one. I think a good fee off Southampton for him um, yeah. as well. So, um, but yeah, one to watch. Yeah, it was definitely one that I was personally very excited about. So when it saw it coming in on, on the deadline day, I was thinking, oh God, that would be an absolute corker. But yeah, maybe 12 months time if Fulham are, you know, in a comfortable position, fingers crossed, then we might be able to revisit a couple of these deals going on. Right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to look ahead to Saturday's SW6 Derby. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins and Peter Rutzler. Let's look ahead then to Saturday's SW6 derby against... Our neighbours from up the Fulham Road, uh, 12.30 on Saturday. It's on BT Sport if you're in the UK. We haven't got a good record. You know this, I know this, we all know this. 16 years since our last victory. Probably a never a better time to try and face them in reality. Though, we did say that last time. Yeah, we know what's probably coming our way. Um, Peter... You had some pretty horrifying stats before the podcast about our record against them. So we might as well get it out of the way. Yeah. Thought I'd lower the tone. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Fulham have won just seven of the last 74 league games against Chelsea. 9.5%. Of the 1,538 fixtures to have been played at least 50 times in English Football League history, Fulham's win rate against Chelsea is the lowest. It's just pain and pain. Spain without the S, like it's it's just so rubbish. It's just the game I want to win as well more than like almost anything else. I said this before Brentford. Brentford's the game I want to lose least. Chelsea is the game I want to win most every season. All of my best friends are Chelsea fans. My cousins are Chelsea fans. I'm just like, can we just, can we just please? Like it would just make me really happy. Um, 
there is there are plenty of reasons for optimism. Actually, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna bring the tone back up. Right, um, Chelsea can't defend set pieces at the moment. They're like literally. Uh, their comedy value as set pieces. And they're also really quite poor at defending counterattacks. Those are the two ways that Fulham score. Um, so so that's a, <laughs> that's a huge positive to start things off on. Um, look, uh, I've watched the last couple of Chelsea games, you know, keeping an eye on them, and they, they're not very good. Now, that said, they have very good players and there is obviously like elements of this, but watching them yesterday, they have this, they go through this pattern where they basically start games well. And if they don't score and they get hit on the sucker, then they forget how to play football. And this is not the first time that this has happened this season. It's almost as if they are, are watching the game and you're, these players are, they're looking around at the start and they're like, oh yeah. There's Chilwell, James. These are loads of good players. We'll win this. And then suddenly they concede and they're like, oh, why can none of our players play football? And they like, <laughs> they like lose all faith in each other to like make things happen. And, and look, Tuchel spoke about it as well. You know, he's saying there's a serious pattern here. Um, they've lost three away games this season. The only one they've won was the first day against Everton, which was a scrappy 1-0 win. Um, they can't keep clean sheets at the moment for love nor money. Uh, and Fulham have obviously had a great record at home this season so far so there are plenty of reasons Sammy to be positive about this one and um, my big one is the set pieces thing I, I really do think that we can we can cause some some havoc at, at set pieces I think we, we, we're going to be able to put them under some severe pressure they don't know who their best number one is at the moment Kepa came in in the game against Dinamo Zagreb and did quite well um, because Edouard Mondi's been a bit all over the place. They've said he's got an injury. I'm not completely sure that's true. I think they might have just been giving him a breather because he mm. seems to have lost the ability to like come and claim the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see how they line up. Um, and also, you know, if we can, if we can close things down because, you know, we get, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but they're, all their threat comes down that right-hand side from Reese James. And whether Anthony Robinson is in this squad or not, it's going to be a big, big old question as to whether Fulham can win this game. But I, I, I remain optimistic. I was say, is that injury the result of the uh, West Ham VAR check that sort of had its lingering after effects? Definitely not. Although I think it would have been funny <laughs> if they'd said, they said, well, you know, what's wrong with Edouard Mendy? They said, oh, i got a broken rib. And everyone's like, hmm, I'm pretty sure that wasn't a foul. But if he's got a broken rib, then it might be. Um, <laughs> but I hear it's a patella, a patella injury. Okay, um, one more reason to be positive. I wasn't at the game where Fulham won back in 2006. I'm not at the game on Saturday. So small victory. If I have to stay away for us to get a victory, that is the role that I am happy to play. Um, Peter, Jack mentioned it there. Um, Anthony Robinson's inclusion is going to be pretty crucial. We don't really know the state of play with Levin Kazawa. He's not played much football. The guys spoke about it loads on Sunday's podcast as to, you know, do you put in a not match sharp Levin Kazawa over a Kevin Mbabu who doesn't play on the left-hand side? The answer is yes, by the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's that's the big battle is Anthony Robinson has been so good at defending this year. Do you know any more about his injury? I thought what Anthony Robinson said on Twitter was quite interesting because his words were, hopefully it's nothing too serious, which reading between the lines makes me think, hopefully it's genuinely not too serious. Yeah, it was his ankle. So it could be, there could be any range of injury. You can have hardly anything and get through it get through a difficult game, uh, or you end up with a couple of months. Um, so uh, the artists don't know where it's at. I think the the big thing, as you say, will be just whether Levin Kazawa will be ready. Uh, he'll have to be ready, as Jack said, because that's he's the option there. He hasn't played much at all. Silver said after the game at Spurs that he's not in the condition to play yet. Um, you know, he's is it depends how much work he's done at PSG, the type of work he's done at PSG. And it's a step up again when you try and build match fitness uh, and match fitness in the Premier League as well. So Fulham will have a decision to make about how that sets up. If I'm presuming Anthony Robinson won't be available. Um, he might be, who knows? Um, but uh, it, it'll be a question of whether, how many minutes Kazawa gets what do you do if Kazawa needs to come off after an hour? Um, because I'm not sure Mbappé at left back works um, because he just he's not a left sided player, and I think he's so much a right sided player that it was it just 
it becomes quite easy to read and can be quite predictable. And I think, I can't remember who made the point on the podcast last week, but in terms of how Fulham play as a compact team, you need your fullbacks to get out and be and to play with the wing in front of you. Um, you can't really be wanting to, to tuck inside so much. So, um, yeah, a tif- difficult question, I think, for, for Fulham to, to, to solve. Obviously, losing Robinson's massive um, because he's been brilliant every game. Uh, no matter who his opponent was, he's been up to it. He's been solid. Uh, both, you know, we know what he can do going forward. His, his ability to carry the ball up the field, to take the pressure off, to, to, to launch attacks. Um, I think his crossing's been good this year as well. Um, so hopefully it's not serious because, you know, he's become a, a key part of this Fulham team. And um, it's... It's a it's, it's sod's law that it's affected a position that probably needed a little bit of time for Kazawa to get up to speed, um, but that, that's 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 how that's how the cookie crumbles, I suppose. It was Murphy's rule or law. If, if it will, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Exactly. Um, exactly. But I, I was just looking at something from an account on Twitter called Injury Mechanisms. Um, it said it looks to be some sort of like slight hyperextension on it. Um, which is a sprain. If, if there's no fractures and it didn't look like there was, um, then it's obviously about severity. And they say medial sprains tend to long, let me last long, last longer than lateral ones. So, I mean, it, it, the real, the truth is that we're, we're kind of, this is guesswork. Um, but it doesn't look like it's serious enough that it would rule him out of a world cup, which is probably good news um but it's not going to fix things for this weekend so i'll be i would be surprised if he played to be honest i mean even more so's law that we let a fit left back who can do a job go on deadline day as well um in in joe bryan but made, his, made his debut for nice in the derby oh. um, just was, was offside a, wing back, a lot wasn't he, I think. yeah it was offside a lot which would be my take of, of what happened um but good luck to joseph Oh yeah, I wish him all the best. What a move for Joe on the Riviera. His Instagram stories I'm already enjoying. He just seems to take a beach photo every day um, of that beautiful kind of Nice Riviera um, that they have there. So just the perfect move for the perfect player. Um, Really, really wish Joe well. Um, Jack, looking at the rest of the Fulham side, it's seeming really settled now. Like I'm just not expecting any changes anywhere, apart from, I guess you could say, on the wings is now we've a couple of new options. Maybe he experiments and goes with, with Dan James from the start. That's the only place I can really see anything else because the rest of this side is just so settled. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I'm watching the Zagreb game last night. Chelsea just really couldn't deal with things over the top. Now, part of that was the fact that this defense is not set yet for each other and they're not quite understanding the the movements um, between the two centre-backs and all the three centre-backs, not quite knowing who to go and who to stay. So pace over the top is something that can catch people out, uh, I think, at this point. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be completely surprised to see Dan James utilised here, but I also think that he might try and use him as a, a kind of last 30-minute sub to be able to stretch Chelsea in the latter stages of this game. So we'll see. The one that might make sense if you're trying to combat the danger of Reese James on the right is, and you did kind of mention this on the pod, would be Bobby if left. Bobby Reed, yeah, and then play play Dan James on the right. Yeah, I would I wouldn't be completely surprised. You're Especially completely if you've got Kazawa who need who would need protection and, and some some help. So that's the only one that would make sense from a tactical point of view because Niskins, we love him, but his, his defensive work rate, it's all right. He does actually work pretty hard off the ball. It's fine. Is. Yeah, it's absolutely no problem. It's just but Bobby's obviously of... a specialist. Yes, exactly. Um, at, at, at that. And uh, Jack, Jack uh, Mitro needs now one more goal to achieve 50 within 50. It would actually be 50 and 49 if he did bag um, against Chelsea. There's just what do you mean? He's bagging a hat trick. Oh, mate, it'd be 52 <laughs> and 49. That would be absolutely glorious. Um, but. I've just never seen a man looking more confident and that get, that goal against Spurs, I know we briefly mentioned it, just typified the kind of mood that, that he's in at the moment. He'll be absolutely desperate for one on, on Saturday in, in, in the derby on the telly. He loves the big stage, so I'm, yes. I'm just hopeful this is his day. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. It's going to be a tough assignment. Obviously, these are very, very good defenders. I wonder if they leave Fafana out of this one because he's had two 
slightly strange games in his in his first two games for Chelsea and just go with a kind of well more settled perhaps um Thiago Silva Trevor Chalobah Kaladi Koulibaly partnership in order to try and combat his aerial threat but we'll see we will see it's going to be it'll be very interesting to watch see these lineups and see how things match up in the game against Spurs obviously he scores such a brilliant goal for most of it he was pretty much uh, isolated by by those three center backs who were who were able to basically kind of do a job on him by doubling, tripling up at times. Um, so if Chelsea learn their lessons from that, then obviously there's something they could probably look at. But, you know, he's a man on fire and I don't think at the moment he'll be denied. So we shall see. It was quite a strong lineup that played in Zagreb last night, wasn't it? You know, Sterling, Fafana, Aubameyang, Havertz, James, all played. And James got 90, um, which is good. Obviously the comments from Tuchel seem to, they don't suggest a happy camp or at least at this point. Um, and they were still without N'Golo Kante as well. Um, and they will and they will be. They're, they're, they, I think the fact that, you know, Jorginho came off the bench means that he will start, which I think is a good thing for us because I'm not sure, you know, and I think they were they would play Ruben Loftus-Cheek in this game, not necessarily to, to, to wide us up, but actually to try and somewhat combat the aerial power of Polina in the middle. They don't have him. He's injured or, you know, looks like he's going to be out for this one. So, Trying to trying to kind of dominate this midfield. I wonder if Zachariah will come in, but equally, if he was going to come in and start the weekend, you'd imagine he might have got some minutes off the bench yesterday. He didn't, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. I think that there's a, a good chance that Fulham can overrun this Chelsea midfield, and and look, their performances have been really poor. Yes, they picked up some points um, against West Ham, but ultimately, I think that they they were a little bit lucky to be where they are in the table. And I think that Fulham can take advantage of what has been a poor start performance-wise for Chelsea. As a producer of this podcast, I always quite enjoy trying to be able to put in seamless edits into this podcast, but it is flipping pointless in this case. During part three um, of this podcast, which is in the future, you haven't heard it yet, um, Thomas Tuchel got sacked from Chelsea um, after last night's defeat to Dinamo Zagreb. So, of course, um, whoever comes in um, will face Fulham in their first game. Um, Peter, obviously breaking news. We don't know a lot about it. Um, It's definitely... Well, a shock that they've done it now. I had a feeling that maybe Fulham might be his last game in order to save his job. But um, yeah, Chelsea have acted quick and uh, winning a Champions League doesn't buy you much time uh, down the road, does it? Uh, Evidently not. Um, I guess we already knew that from uh, from Di Matteo. Give it Scott Uh, Parker. Give it Scott Parker. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a bit surprised. Um, yeah, you're right. There's it's not like this has come surprise. I think we we even said in the before the news broke that it was an unhappy camp. Um, but like they don't have a sporting director. Tuchel's been massively influential on their recruitment. They've spent what 250 million quid, and they've sacked him a week after the window closes. So um, I mean, yeah, sure, not surprised by considering the, the situation. Maybe there's more more to it. Maybe the ownership want their own man um who they surely uh, don't have a man i don't i don't i don't quite i i i I struggle with it because he's been so involved in recruitment that it's not like they've got a a recruitment structure there at least as far as i'm aware anyway they don't have ted bowley's been quite hands-on hasn't he you know there's been there's no sporting directors to speak of no, I mean, I think he is trying to appoint one, but yeah. No, they, sure, they but you, get, you get my point. In, it's been very means too cool. massive. Yeah. yeah, 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 it's been very too cool heavy. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that changes the dynamic. I suppose in one sense, there'll be disappointment that the struggles of the last few games don't carry on. Sometimes you get that sort of breath of fresh air within the squad when, you know, manager goes and, look, we're actually quite good kind of thing. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it throws a bit of a spanner, I suppose, a bit of an unknown entity. But at the same time, that oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it seems seems a bit out of the blue, but uh, out yeah. of the blue for the Blues. Um, well, the statement says that Chelsea's coaching staff will take charge of the team for training and the preparation of our upcoming matches as the club moves swiftly to appoint a new head coach. Um, so it basically looks like it's a member of the backroom staff. I don't know their backroom staff well enough to know exactly who will be in charge on Saturday, Jack, but 
Yeah, I can't help but see this is a bad thing. Yeah, I am. I'm with you. I, I'm completely with you. It's 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 mad that Chelsea are so scared of Fulham these days that they've turned to new manager bounce uh, <laughs> in order to in order to try and try and get past us at the cottage. Uh, but yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I really did fancy our chances of of causing an upset and now I fancy them less. Although that said, surely they can't sort out the problems with like defending set pieces in the next three days. Like it would be very, very difficult for them to to sort things out that quickly. Um, so let's see. But, and also, you know, whoever comes in is, is not going to get that much time with the team, but I do think there might be a, an element of, you know, someone comes in, just gives them, you know, the hand around the shoulder that Tuchel clearly wasn't giving players um, and maybe can start to re-ingratiate some of these talented footballers like someone like Hakim Ziyech, who, who's looked absolutely dreadful under Tuchel for the majority of his time there, or, or Christian Pulisic, who could probably just do with an arm around their shoulder and just be like, look, I believe in you, it's going to be all right. And and that worries me a bit, to be perfectly honest with you. It also suggests they might play a midfield three, which is terrifying because that's that's not something we're gonna have as much joy against it's not terrifying that's unfair but it's it's definitely something that makes it harder to to dominate the middle and dominate this game so we'll see we'll see right well um we'll leave part two there uh, part three we'll zoom back into uh the past um and uh yeah I think all of our optimism from the previously recorded bit has maybe waned a little bit, but uh, yeah, there will be a new manager in the dugout uh, for uh, the Blues on Saturday at Craven Cottage. Take a break there. See you afterwards for part three questions and this will catch on. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy, Jack and Peter. This will catch on returning in a moment. But first of all, uh, just got a few questions in the Fulhamish inbox. You can always send us an email. Hello at fulhamish.co.uk. Either for this will catch on submissions or just generally if you've got a question for the Thursday club. I tend to look at the emails a little bit more uh, for the podcast in the week. Uh, This one from Matthew Wall. He specifically says this is for Peter, but I'm sure that Jack could probably uh, chip in as well. he says, now that the window is closed, does Peter have any information on the detail of the players we have signed in their new contracts? Permanent deals such as Mbabu, Polinia, Vinicius, Pereira and Leno are great, but I wonder if they include relegation clauses, either lowered wage or release clause. Is this another cohort of signings that are here for one year only if we go down? Obviously hoping we won't slash don't, but keen to understand if we've improved our negotiating in the last few seasons. Thanks and keep up the good work from Matt. Now, I know you don't obviously have the ins and out on everyone's specific contract, Peter. It would be bloody I wish helpful. I did. That'd be lovely. Yeah, that'd be really nice. <laughs> if, my job um... easy. <laughs> but yeah, um, your thoughts? Um, generally, I, I generally most, if not all Fulham signings will have a relegation clause. Um, for reducing their wages. So I don't think that's changed with anyone who's come in. Maybe what this is asking or what is the interesting thing is that I feel like personally, these signings are not signings like some of the ones that Forrest have made where these are players that would be happy to stick around in the championship. We have made Premier League signings with the risk in a few of them that if we go down, I cannot see a few of them sticking around because they are of, such high caliber, Polinia particularly. Yeah, and, I, and even if they, even even with a reduction clause, their their wages would be very high for the championship. Um, so that's 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 it. You know, Fulham have gone for that type of player. They've gone for a Premier League players who want to be in the Premier League, whose platform is Premier League, and want to to step on from there, whether that be Polinia or, or Bernd Leno. Um, so that's that that comes with the territory, really. I think we. We've seen how Forrest bought players who could probably be could have functioned in both divisions, um, or wouldn't be in the main. The majority could could step down to come back up again. Um, but you're right, and, I, and Fulham, Fulham did that before two years ago with the loanees. Just they were loans, um, yeah. So they left um, rather than needing to then make them permanent. Um, so yeah, that's that's and I. <laughs> We'll see how see how it works. I you know we we talk. I think the when you assess the window overall, I think it's been a very good one. Um, yes, it was very slow to start with. We all saw and discussed Marcus Silva's frustration at that not being able to have the players in for preseason to work with them. Um, but when you when you assess the bodies they have in now, I think the squad's good. Um, Polina looks a phenomenal signing. They were unlucky with Manuel Solomon and how that sort of changed their plans um, with his knee injury. 
uh, but you know they seem to have strengthened in, in most areas, and it looks good. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And, and you know, if this is the thing, they're in a position where if they can stay up, there's some good players there on the books who have good resale value. Um, so let's 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 see how it goes. I think it's also now the case that going down to the championship is not necessarily a fire sell like it used to be. You know, we've seen with Fulham, we've managed to hold on to good players this season. A team like Watford have held on to a player like Jao Pedro, heavily linked, but managed to stay in the end. So it's not a necessity that these players will get sold. Now, look, I can't, I can't see Pulido staying at Fulham much more <laughs> in the Premier League, let alone the championship. But him aside, I think that some of these players wouldn't necessarily get moves all that easily or Fulham wouldn't allow them to get moves all that easily more to the point. Um, so yeah, we just got to wait and see, but yeah, thank you very much for your question, Matt. Um, once here from Vince Leander, um, I'll go see you on this one, Jack, it's kind of ticket related. Now, this is not um, ticket related in terms of price, although Fulham have announced more prices um, for the upcoming Aston Villa and Everton games. They're still bad. £50 cheapest ticket for Villa on a Thursday night, £60 cheapest ticket for Everton, um, which is on a Saturday on the telly. We we cannot say it any more times. They're awful. They're terrible. We hate them. They're killing the vibe at the club at the moment, which is all good vibes, mostly at the moment, particularly on the pitch. Um, the Fulham Supporters Trust have come out and condemned it. Um, what more can be said other than just like, stop it you please idiots. don't do this yeah. <laughs> yeah but we're running out of ways of arguing it basically at this point it's just crap and and also i just don't i mean we're struggling to sell these matches out brighton 30 pounds sold out weeks ahead these games um be fast i i cannot see aston villa on a thursday night at 50 quid selling out but uh, they're the experts. But this one actually um, is an issue that I have seen bubbling around and I think this might be a nice opportunity to discuss it. So Vince says, hello, Fulhamish. It was such a great start to the season. I hate to bring down the tone down, but I am upset and furious at the away ticket policy currently adopted for members. As someone who had a season ticket for 20 years plus, I moved to Hull from London seven or so years ago. And so having a season ticket didn't make financial sense. So I became a member and go to games when I can. I've got over 500 loyalty points currently, but as a member, this means nothing as the away ticket window for the Spurs and Arsenal games are tiny with little to no chance of getting a ticket. Spurs in particular, if somehow they are not sold out soon, this was from a few weeks ago i can only get a ticket the day before the game itself so for fans not based in london i would have to pay huge prices for travel and a hotel last minute or pay in advance and pray i get one i asked the club about this and they refused to answer my questions other than saying that season ticket holders get a longer priority window due to a financially significant investment made at the start of the season my question or rant even is surely the club can organize this in a better way. And if 50 pounds for a membership isn't significant, then what choice or options are there for fans outside of London? Bloody love this club, but feel like I'm being pushed out all the best from Vince. And um, this has come up a couple of times in the telegram group as well from very frustrated members who have a lot of, who have a lot of loyalty points who are like, surely my loyalty points should count the same whether I'm a season ticket holder or a member here. Because look at the amount of games I've been to. Yeah, I can't get tickets for these other away games, Jack. Um, I do feel really sorry for members because I feel like all over it's a terrible deal. Yeah, it's really hard, this. And, and, and ultimately, the club haven't got the loyalty point system right for quite some time. Now we had this discussion pre Bournemouth last year in, in talking about the fact that there are uh, various things about this that don't quite add up, you know, people going to every away game last season being kind of shafted out in, 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 in a different way. And that's a different argument to this one, but I think the point stands that it, it sits upon the debate of, of where the loyalty points are and how they work. There's a lot of parties that are emotionally invested in this in various things. And that makes it quite difficult because obviously lots of people want to go and see Fulham and, and that's great. Look, that's, that's a positive thing. And, and ultimately there are never going to be enough tickets to satisfy demand. And I think Vince is right in that, that they're clearly, there are clearly something that's not right here in trying to, to deal with this system. 
I just don't know what the answer is. I've seen, you know, I've been talking to my my aunt who's who's Brentford, don't shoot me. Um, but she was saying that this year they've basically scrapped their like loyalty points scheme in terms of if you're a member, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a free-for-all to get tickets. Um, and and therefore lots of people are missing out on tickets for people who've bought a season ticket for the first time, et cetera, or or members. And 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 that's clearly not the answer either, because that there's a lot of very frustrated people up there at the BTEC arena. Um, but it is one of those sort of strange ones where I don't actually know what the solution is. But at the moment, clearly it's not satisfactory. And and clearly we need to be doing more to help those who've are, are away from the car, even if it's just opening these windows earlier or making them faster so that the, you know the, the the last bit of it means that people can plan in advance to be able to make things work but equally I, I assume the club will be catering to the majority of people especially for london games who they assume will be within london now that doesn't make it right but it means that they're probably catering to the majority of of people in a certain demographic here and and I can see why they're doing that, but again, that that doesn't excuse it from being the day before the game, which is clearly like impossible for so- lots and lots of people. I just think that the whole thing needs an overhaul. You mentioned the points with the loyalty pro- points, and that was a different discussion. But it's the same thing that there's not a lot of thought or effort or imagination that's given into the loyalty points, and it I just still don't think it truly rewards loyal fans and for me if you're I, I think the situation that you could have had a season ticket for 20 years have a thousand plus loyalty points but then one season let's say you need to get a membership because you're not in the country or you're moving away or whatever and then basically your loyalty points are rendered useless um even though you pay for the membership like seems like a completely absurd system to me vince i feel truly sorry for you um if there's particular away games you want to get in touch, you know, I would strongly recommend, you know, either, you know, reach out to us and we could try and help if we can, but also just like reach out on Twitter and, and say like, I've been to this many games, but I'm struggling to get to matches. It's, it's always a lot of people willing to help um, that it might have a season ticket and can't help, et cetera, et cetera. So really sorry to hear it. As we found with the ticket prices, trying to get the club to budge on anything, is is nigh on impossible but i truly share your frustrations let's do a couple of this will catch ons uh before we finish uh this one from brian chapman says hi sammy and the team long-standing pod listener and telegram supporter thank you very much season ticket holder in the hammersmith end and a supporter for many many years uh, i remember uh kate bush when she came onto the scene in the late 70s and she has been a light in my life ever since so when sammy made his umbabushka reference that's my fantasy football team name reference recently it set me thinking whether i could somehow combine these two passions into one glorious this will catch on it came to me straight away our new favorite in the midfield Zhao polini deserves a song and better than the one that was sung at the brentford game Zhao rhymes with wow and wow as everyone knows is a classic Kate song from her second album, Lionheart, released in 1978. So attaches my efforts, short and sweet, and sung in a style that the fans might be able to follow. Please be kind to me, Jack. He says, sorry about the WhatsApp ping partway through. I couldn't face recording it again. So here is Brian Chapman's version of Wow by Kate Bush for Joao Felinia. Ooh, yeah, you're amazing. We think you're incredible. We say you're fantastic, and boy, can you head the ball. <laughs> yow, 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 unbelievable. Yow, 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 unbelievable. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I've got to say, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's, it, I, I mean, it's not going to catch on, but I, I, I've really enjoyed it. I think that's that's way too niche to catch on. And I say that as someone who really likes Kate Bush. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's one of those where, I, I, look, I mean, it all adds up. It's lyrically, it's lyrically on point. The, the syllables work. I'll be giving it an eight. Yeah, but I I'd, think it, I think it's a solid one, and also, um, 
Kate Bush running up that hill became one of the big songs in 2022. All you need to do is get wow into Stranger Things and maybe it'll be into public psyche enough to, to catch on. But yeah, I um, I love it. The final one today is from our very own Adam Fukarson. He has been bugging me to play this and I... I'm really sad to say that it took me a couple of weeks to listen and I was like, oh, what is this thing? Stop bugging me with this song, Adam. I don't know what it is. I just haven't got time to listen to it and all fool me because it is sensational. Um, He has written a song and he is like garage band this to unbelievable degrees. Um, It's a Wimber way for Kevin and Babu. It's (laughs) astonishing. (laughs) So strap in. Has he played the guitar? Yes. Yeah. Sign for fun from the Bundesliga It's Kevin Mbappé To challenge Kenny as a right back maybe It's Kevin Mbappé And he is rapid on FIFA <laughs> and he is rapid on FIFA In the Fulham, the Super Fulham And Babu sleeps tonight In the Fulham, the Yo-Yo Fulham And Babu sleeps tonight And he on FIFA and he is rapid on FIFA Babu Astonishing Absolutely exceptional Yeah Yeah Just One of the best we've ever got It's so good I'm sorry it took me so long to play it Adam Um, Exceptional Really, really good. Peter, your thoughts? Yeah, he was rapid on FIFA, to be fair. Um, <laughs> very good. Enjoyed it. Um, Pleasant. Exceptional use of the application Garage Band. That is yeah, what Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the Mbabu at the bottom of it is just glorious, isn't it? That just really, really well. Beautifully worked. Just exceptionally produced. Executed to perfection. You know what? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Great to have this will catch on back in our lives. We worried last season that Fulham would be losing too many games and it wouldn't be fun. Right now, things are happy at Fulham and this will catch on as a happy feature. So happy to have it back. Um, please send more in. We've got a pretty empty inbox at the moment and we've got plenty of new players for new materials. So hello at fullermish.co.uk is the best way um, to send them in. Um, one just to quickly mention, uh, this wasn't sent in, but I think it's genius. Jake Wilgos on Twitter, I saw this, said, beg someone to start the Laven Kazawa, Kevin Babu song to Radio Gaga. All we need is Laven Kazawa. Kevin Mbabu, Levin Kazawa. It, that is genius. Yeah, very that is good. Absolutely genius. So I've been I've been begged on Twitter as well for um to get a a Jarapolina, um just can't get enough. As in Oh yeah. Just can't seem to get enough of which apparently is, is better than the Saliba chat, but I don't believe it maybe is. So um so I, I don't know if it's gonna go, but I actually do think that Fulham could do with a chant to just can't get enough because it's a good chanty song. We've um, had it before, Hove. Yeah, but not for a while. Um who is it for? Um, Floyd, Floyd Aite. Aite. So I, was um, like, I was having an absolute mind blank. Yeah, yeah. People probably shouting at the podcast. Floyd Aite. Um, but, but, <laughs> yeah. Also, did you notice? Obviously, um, Leeds of Leeds' song for Brendan Aronson to American Boy has, has kind of oh, taken yeah. the headlines recently. Um, did remind me of when we got the classic "You Could Be My Dennis Adoy" on yes. this will catch on. And I know, I know. Obviously, we read out a message from from our Leeds fan who listens to this podcast regularly um last week when we were talking about Dan James and it was um it, it was lots of fun so we thank you very much of course 
to Joe Craven. But I wonder if he's uh, he sneakily heard that song and go, mm, Brendan Aronson could use that. <laughs> and so it's been carried to Leeds via This Will Catch On, but we shall see. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I love the crazy world of like the new invention of football charts and um, the the creativity that is all around. Um, it is um, fantastic. Uh, that'll do for this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. As ever, we ask the Telegram community to uh, pitch in with the pod names on the Thursday Club. And there is a just a clear winner. And it goes to Tim Delaney. And he said to keep up with the Star Wars theme from the last podcast. And obviously we're previewing uh, Saturday's game uh, against the Blues. He said, why don't we call it Dark Side Returns? Yeah, very good. Very Which good. Just instant win. Instant yeah. win. So Tim, thank you for naming the podcast. And thank you to all our people uh, supporting us uh, regularly in the Fulhamish community. There is a link in the bio of this podcast. Peter Rutzer, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having, having me, Sammy. It is always a pleasure. And Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Sammy. It was lots of fun. It's always good to be back on the Thursday Club. I have a great time here. I enjoy it. Yeah, well, um, it was lovely to be back. Uh, Jack is hosting on Sunday. It's the last one I'm missing. I'm sorry. Um, but Jack's better than me anyway. You'll be fine. That's not true. Um, yeah, so um, have a lovely weekend. Fingers crossed we can get a win against the managerless Blues. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Come on, you whites. You whites. You whites.